the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Here it is, a uh, Wednesday. It's a hump day. We're middle of the weekday. We're uh, closer to Friday than we were on Monday. And so real quickly, let me get you up to date on what's going on with weather and what's going on with traveling today. Because if you're going to travel right now west, you are probably going to be okay. If you're going east, you're running into ice. So uh, it'd be dangerous uh, look, 40 eastbound is always dangerous with all the trucks out there. But uh, there's going to be a there's going to be a, a coating of ice on the road. It won't be completely ice coated. That doesn't come until tomorrow. But uh, just know that uh, it's going to be treacherous out there. And when you're going over bridges and in raised areas, you'll want to slow down. Don't put your brakes on. Just continue on and. Just reduce your speed and be careful uh, while you're traveling today. Uh, The way that the weather is looking, it's going to pan out, is today we're going to have a a high of 34 degrees with drizzle. We've got that going on right now here in the metro area to the north in Cabot, south down the Hot Springs, and out west to the uh, western border. But uh, later on tonight... As I look at my hourly uh, forecast, it's saying that when we get uh, into later this evening and into the morning tomorrow, about 2 a.m., expect to start to see the ice coming in and more of that ice is going to come in. They're saying about a third of an inch of ice and anywhere from two to four inches of snow with it. So it's going to be treacherous out there tomorrow. Uh, If you have to go to work tomorrow, you got to go to work. I understand that. Just get up earlier, give yourself extra time, and take it slow. That's the key to driving, you know, ice and snow. Take it slow because you can be, you know, driving down the road, be on all snow and have some you know, uh, your your tires are making contact with the highway, and then all of a sudden you hit a patch of ice, and you don't have contact with the highway, and you can go on a ride that you don't have any control over. Look, I grew up in this weather. I know what it's like to drive in it. I I already talked to uh, Heidi about it. I will be doing my show from my house tomorrow. We're just planning on it. All right, uh, Dr. Matt Carter is joining us from Harding uh, School of Theology. 
we've talked about a lot of their graduate programs. This is the first time that we've uh, moved to the School of Theology with them, and and that's good. I like uh, talking about uh, theology, and uh, for you who are uh, you know followers of Christ and want to uh, be better at uh, with your walk, here's a perfect example. Or maybe you're being called into the ministry, uh, Dr. Matt. You guys got the program for them. Is that right? We sure do. Thank you very much for having me this morning, Dave. Yeah, no no, no problem whatsoever. Uh, just a little background so everybody knows. I talk about Harding a lot. Uh, my brother-in-law went to Harding. Both of my uh, uh, of his daughters went to, went to Harding. My son-in-law went to Harding. My daughter went to Harding. So we've got quite a few people who have been to Harding University and gotten their degree there. And it's a great school for whatever kind of program you're going into, but especially if you're looking to get into the the school of uh, theology. Now, question for you, uh, Dr. Carter. Uh, was Harding a, just a theology school to start off with, or did it start off as a uh, you know, a liberal arts uh, college and then move into theology? Well, you're challenging me a little bit on history there. Um, <laughs> Harding started in, in uh, 1924, and um, at the time, it was an undergraduate program. That there was uh, preacher training was a huge part of it, um, and I'm not sure about the development of all of the, the other programs. As far as the School of Theology, um, we began with, with when we talk about a school of theology, we're talking about graduate level Correct. ministry training. So all of our students already have an undergraduate degree, uh, many of them from Harding, but others from other Christian schools. And probably close to half of them uh, have a degree from a state school in engineering or music or those kinds of things. Um, but the school of theology began in the early 50s and moved to Memphis in 1958. So the branch campus uh, where the School of Theology is has been in Memphis since 1958. Wow. Um, before my time, obviously. <laughs> well, you're only like 27, aren't you? <laughs> exactly. You and me both. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that. that. That changes for me on Monday, just so you will know. I, I'll hit 68 on Monday, so... But I'm I'm happy that I've been able to make that many trips around the sun. So explain the school. Amen. Explain the school of theology uh, to you know a layman. What is it? Again, you just told us that you you need your your bachelor's or whatever. Then you go to you know theology uh, the theology school. Um, for instance, I went to Southwest Baptist Theology uh, down in in Fort Worth. Uh, you. Uh, have a, a theology school here uh, in in Memphis. Talk about it. Okay, thank you very much. So we do have uh, a variety of, of students' backgrounds. It doesn't matter what your major is. Uh, you're welcome to, uh, to apply to the School of Theology. We offer master's degrees in Bible, in ministry, and in theology proper. I say theology proper. A lot of times folks We'll use the word theology to prefer to refer very broadly to Bible or ministry. Uh, in theology, we're talking about the study of doctrine, the study of, of God, the Holy Spirit, salvation, uh, classes like 
faith and reason or apologetics, ethics and character formation, those kinds of things. Um, so students will come and, and take classes in, in Bible, ministry, and theology. As you mentioned before, some of those students are, are training for ministry. Uh, some of them are just folks in the church who want to be a leader or who want to grow in their faith walk. We also have a lot of ministers who will, maybe they've been preaching for 10 years and are ready to uh, gain, gain access, as we might say. And so we do have a pretty a broad range of students from their 20s, actually up into their 70s. Wow, that's amazing. Someone up in their 70s and uh, never get tired of learning. That's uh, that's a good thing. That's excellent. Uh, talk a little bit what it's like to like what it's like to study Bible in graduate school. I mean, you may have taken a class in in undergraduate. And it's just kind of an overview class or whatever. But when you start studying the Bible in graduate school, you're gonna you're getting below the surface. You're get beyond scratching the surface, and you're starting to dig down. Absolutely, as you know from your experience at Southwest, uh, which is a good school. Uh, as you know, when sometimes people come and they think that maybe it's going to be like Sunday school, uh, maybe it's going to be Sunday school a little harder. Uh, a lot as, harder. As you know, it goes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, a lot harder and a lot deeper. Uh, our students do read the Bible, of course, but they also will read influential scholars, what they've written about that text of Scripture. At Harding School of Theology and a typical graduate school, you will be reading from a broad range of scholarship. You can go uh, to some, uh, if, if it's not graduate school, you may go and the professor will lay out a position on a text, and, and this is what you're supposed to learn. Whereas in graduate school, the professor will expose you to various positions, various understandings of the text, mm-hmm. and then equip you to think through that and to work through it. So rather than being told what to think, you were told how to think or taught how to think. And in graduate school, you write papers, you do a lot of reading, a lot of writing. Our classes are participatory, so there's a lot of discussion. And this is one of the things I really enjoy about our community, and might not be this way at all schools, but we have a, a culture of respectful dialogue. So we have students who hold different positions on, on different aspects of the Bible or, or church or worship. And they are engaged in dialogue together, coming to appreciate one another. I don't know if you've ever been in those conversations where you're wondering, has this person actually read the Bible? Because they don't think like I do. (laughs) And then you find out that sometimes, yes, they have read the Bible, and they've read those verses. They just have a different perspective on them. And so we try to, to build a culture of respectful dialogue. And of course, that's really useful when our when our graduates, our students, are working in churches, because sometimes church members will will see something on TV or or read a book. You know, you always have the uh, the blockbuster titles that that can really be unsettling about uh, the missing books of the Bible or things like that. And so our students are equipped to listen to church members who are hearing these things and then to to sort of walk through that those ideas and and help help the church members process that experience in a, in a faith-affirming manner. All right. Our guest is Dr. Matt Carter, Director of Admissions for the Harding School of Theology. What he just talked about is, you've heard the old saying, folks, 
iron sharpens iron. That's what happens in those classes. Uh, things that you believe in and maybe you've never been challenged, somebody may challenge you on them, and that's good. That's good. It makes you go back and rethink what you already believe and then help the other person rethink what they probably believe. So we'll come back and talk more uh, about this here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I need to remind you about St. Clarity Residential Cleaning. Uh, we're almost out of those uh, half-off uh, uh, coupons that we have for you, and we're getting close to uh, Valentine's Day. And tomorrow um, may be a tough day to buy them. I, I don't know if Chuck will be able to get into the office. They're talking about bad road conditions. So with that all in mind, buy them today. Get on the, your phone and call 404-6560. Talk to, uh, to Chuck about getting a coupon for 50% off to St. Clarity Residential Cleaning. A uh, house up to 1,500 square foot, normally $200 or just $100. And a uh, house up to 2,500 square foot after you pass that 1,500 square feet is normally 300 bucks, but you can get it for 150 Get that for your significant other or get it for yourself. If you do the cleaning, save yourself some hassle. Get a deep clean. I'm, I'm talking about more than just a mop, you know, the, the vacuum cleaner and a broom and a, and a rag to dust with. I'm talking about somebody coming in and really cleaning your house. This is a, a deep cleaning that lasts uh, four to six weeks. And uh, you walk in and you'll smell it and you'll go, ooh, it smells clean in here. It smells good. Uh, call 404-6560. Talk to Chuck. Do it after 9 o'clock. And he'll get you set up for 50% off discount to St. Clarity Residential Cleaning. All right, back with you, Dr. Matt Carter, our special guest, Director of Admissions, the Harding School of Theology. We've talked the classes here. Can I talk a couple of classes? You guys got Greek sure. and, uh, and Hebrew that people can take? Absolutely. Uh, in, in our Master of Divinity, students actually take four semesters of Greek. Wow, and then they can actually take a couple of Bible classes where you they study a book of the Bible in the Greek text, and uh, they also take a couple of semesters of Hebrew. They can take up to four semesters of Hebrew as well. You know, I think if uh, you can read in the original languages, you can get deeper into the Scripture. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, it's not something every Christian needs to do, but we certainly need Christians who can do it, and. Uh, Whenever we're relying on an English translation, there's some interpretation involved there. And so being able to go back for deep study into the original language is, uh, really does really does build up your, your, your ability, builds up your faith, and allows you to uh, get, get closer to, to, to the meaning of Scripture. Yeah, and for people who are listening right now, my listeners, this is not just for people who want to be uh you know ministers so this can be for people who just want to be better at being sunday school teachers who just want to have a a closer and deeper walk with the lord correct that is correct we actually um of course we do have master divinity and master of arts those types of degrees we offer a a certificate in spiritual leadership it's a 21 credit hour graduate the graduate classes same classes that degree students take but they're classes that are specially chosen to help somebody who just wants to be a better christian a better leader a better servant 
in their church. So they'll take a Bible class, which will give them the skills to study other books of the Bible as well. They take a spiritual leadership class. They take a a basic counseling skills class. How do I help people? Uh, And uh, they take um, a systematic theology class where they get a big overview of Christian faith, and then they have a couple of electives. So we have a lot of folks in that program who who just want to be a better a better member of their congregation a better a better servant for the Lord. We also have lifelong learning, so people may want to audit classes. Uh, I don't know if you've ever audited a class, but basically it means you get to go and do as much or as little as you want. Some people just go and listen. Some people read the books. Occasionally, somebody will say, "I want to take the exams too," but you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to. Tri- you don't have to punish yourself <laughs> if you don't want to. Exactly. You, know, you don't have to do that. Talk about Zoom classes because we are in the age right now of COVID nineteen. And how often do you have to do classes by computer? Great question. All of our classes are live, real time. Um, I've, I've failed to mention our website is hst.edu hsthardingschooloftheology.edu, and you can actually find a clip of of a Zoom class there to see what that's like. Our classes meet one day a week for a three-hour block, so you just schedule yourself just as though you were going to a classroom. You say, I'm in class from 1 to 4 or 8 to 11, and and you, you go to class there. What's really neat for us, and we've been using Zoom for several years now. I used to have to explain to prospective students what Zoom is. I don't have to do that anymore. Now I have to tell them, but it's good Zoom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know some people have been in plenty of Zoom meetings where they, they've said this could have been an email. That's, that's right. not the case here. Our professors have learned to teach effectively using Zoom. And we have students who are attending these classes via Zoom from across the U.S. and around the world. Uh, this semester, we have students in Australia, Nigeria, wow. uh, Switzerland, um, Japan, uh, Japan, and uh, China, India. So we do have students who are who are joining uh, classes from all over the world, and it's interactive. The students on the screen participate in discussions just like the students in the classroom. Uh, the students uh, in some classes will take a leadership role and present a seminar-style paper. And they do that from Zoom just as they would if they were in the physical classroom. And so it's a really, a really neat way to, to – it's not – we would love to, everybody to be face-to-face, but this way you really – it's the next best thing, and you get the, as you said earlier, the iron sharpening iron. It, it's not a, a threaded discussion where somebody's got typing in all caps or anything like that. You, you see them face-to-face when you're talking to people and discussing things, so it really is really is a blessing. Yeah, I really and like I said, this. I, this is really, really cool about Zoom because this is over and beyond, for instance, what I had down in Texas. Down in Texas, when we went to class, everybody basically had a Texas accent. Uh, here, uh, <laughs> you've, got, you know, you've got people who can talk to you that – you know, they're going to talk to you with an Australian accent or in Japan or whatever. There's got to be different theological viewpoints at that point, and it would be really uh, challenging at times, and it will make you a, a better student, and it will make you a better believer, I would think. Absolutely. I think one of the bonuses of this is that so often we're unaware of how we view the Scripture through our culture. Mm-hmm. 
And so when you're interacting with people from different cultures, uh, you may say something that you think is common sense, and they'll say, now, wait a minute, explain that to me. (laughs) That's what makes learning fun. It really is. That's what makes learning fun. Well, doctor, for the people who are listening who are saying, well, maybe I don't want a degree, but maybe I want to, you know, audit some courses. I want to take some courses, but I just want to do the 21-hour setup. How do they go about doing it? They can visit our website, hst.edu, and right there on the front page, there's a request for information. If they fill out that form, it comes directly to me, and I will get back in touch with them. Um, Or, uh, of course, on the website there, you'll see a phone number to call the school and a text number to to text us. And, again, those texts come to me, so I'll be able to to respond and help them. I'd love love to have some of your listeners join us for a class, a certificate, or a whole degree. That'd be fantastic, and I hope they do, too. Uh, Dr. Matt Carter, he's the Director of Admissions, Harding School of Theology. Give them that address one more time where they send you questions. hst.edu, Harding School of Theology, so HST. Sometimes they can't understand my Georgia accent, but (laughs) hst.edu. All right, fantastic. Dr. Carter, thanks so much for the time. We'll get you back on the show in the future. How's that? Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. All right, we'll talk to you later. Dr. Matt Carter here, Director of Missions, Harding School of Theology. Stay tuned. News is next. All right, so let's talk about what went down in the Senate yesterday. Uh, I haven't spent much time on uh, national news, more of state news uh, here on my show but uh, the impeachment trial really got underway yesterday. I think it's unconstitutional, uh, but they're going to do it anyway. The, the Democrats were bound and determined to get it down. Uh, the Senate moved uh, to uh, go ahead with the historic trial, despite some Republican concerns that impeaching a president already out of office would be unconstitutional. Now, I'm, I'm pulling a lot of my information from Fox today. And I will tell you that I find that a little kind of uh, ridiculous the way they said this. They voted to move ahead with the historic impeachment trial, despite some Republican concerns that impeaching a president already out of office would be unconstitutional. Uh, When you consider that out of the 50 uh, members of the Republican Party that make up the Senate, that... uh, you know, 40, what, 44 of them feel it's unconstitutional. I, I think that that goes a long way in saying that the Republicans are together on this. Uh, the six Republicans who joined with the Democrats on voting to continue the trial were, and no, a lot of these names are not surprising, Senator Susan Collins of Maine, uh, Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, uh, Lisa Murkowski of Atlanta, Alaska, Mitt Romney of Utah, Ben Sass of Nebraska, and Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania. Uh, all of those guys are, uh, you know, considered very, very liberal. Uh, and to use the word Republican for a few of them is way over the top, to be honest with me. Uh, Cassidy had switched his vote from a previous point of order brought up last week by Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky. He said he did not view the 55 to 45 vote on Paul's resolution as revealing how senators would vote when it comes to whether or not to convict 
Trump. I think that is BS, what he just said. I think it is a goes a long way to tell you what's going to happen uh, if this thing goes all the way down and has to come to a vote. The president is not going to be found guilty. I'm going to tell you that now. It is not going to happen. Said uh, Cassidy, it was a vote in a moment of time, and so based upon what senators knew at that point and felt at that point, they then voted. But we will now have, hopefully, presentations from both sides and we will consider the evidence as impartial jurors he said here's what i will predict if cassidy votes to impeach uh trump he won't be senator for much longer uh louisianans are not going to take kindly to that other things that went on the trial slated now to continue through the weekend with no days off under a resolution authored by the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and GOP Leader Mitch McConnell, the eight-page bipartisan resolution set out the rules and timeline for Trump's second impeachment trial in an effort to complete the unprecedented proceedings in a fair and speedy fashion. Can we agree on one thing? Probably not. But can we agree on one thing, that this is a waste of time? Please, can we not agree on that? He was just impeached weeks ago, and he was found not guilty. And you're saying that January 6th made that big of a difference? No, not if you go back and listen to what the president said. Trump's defense team got two hours to explain why the Senate trial shouldn't go forward. The House managers, led by uh, Congressman Jamie Raskin of Maryland, got two hours to explain why the trial is warranted even for a departed president. Quote, unlike the previous impeachment, Leader McConnell and I are introducing the resolution together. No one can claim it's not fair, Schumer said. The resolution passed 89 to 11. The trial will begin again Wednesday today at noon in a similar fashion. As can be expected, lead impeachment manager Congressman Jamie Raskin immediately queued up a graphic video of the January 6th attack. The Democratic video mashup of Trump's own words encourages his supporters to fight like hell was followed by graphic images of rioters then breaking down barricades at the Capitol and yelling profanities at officers such as FDC police. Okay, so they didn't show where the president told him to be peaceful in a peaceful manner march to the Capitol to stand for the Constitution. They didn't show that. They showed just one small uh, uh, part of his speech saying and encouraging them to fight like hell. And that, in context with the rest of the speech, was not telling them to go into the Capitol and burn it to the ground or anything of, of that nature. Uh in one clip, rioters were seen berating and beating up Capitol Police as they forced their way into the Capitol. How many did it out of all of them that were there? It was a small group. It was an extremist group. And uh, yes, uh, as far as we who believe in, in, in Trump and what he did and are against his impeachment, are passionate about it, but we're not nuts like uh, some of these groups out there are. 
One officer died directly from his injuries, while another 140 officers were injured in the siege. Of course, they did not, I don't think they talked about the woman who was in the Capitol and was shot dead by Capitol Police. Uh, The 13-minute video included clips from Senator Mitch McConnell speaking on the Senate floor, calling out Trump's conspiracy theories on widespread election fraud on January 6th in contrast to the Stop the Steal chance of rioters taking hold of the Capitol. Raskin told the story of his own family's terror during the riot, which was only one day after he buried his son, Tommy. Uh, Was his family at the Capitol? I don't know. Uh, The Maryland Democrat noted that his daughter, Tabitha, and son-in-law, Hank, were with him at the Capitol on January 6th to provide emotional support as lawmakers met to confirm President Biden's uh, election victory. Well, we've heard from uh, Congressman Westerman about what happened. He was there as well, didn't fear for his life. Just saying, he said there's a lot of crazy people that that got in. Raskin's family members were later trapped inside the House Majority Leader Steny Hoyner's office as pro-Trump rioters stormed the Capitol complex. Uh, we go on. Uh, it says, we are really here because the majority in the House of Representatives do not want to face Donald Trump as a political rival in the future. That was what the uh, defense team was saying. And that's true. What they're trying to do right now is to make it so that uh, former President Trump cannot run for re-election again for the office of the presidency or any other office uh, for that matter. Castor warned that, quote, the floodgates will open if the Senate impeaches his client. The political pendulum will shift one day. This chamber and the chamber across the way will change one day and partisan impeachments will become commonplace i have to tell you i hope not i hope not and i hope it is not in your head to say well in 22 let's take over the house and get in control of the senate again and then we'll impeach biden i i don't want that to start that does nothing at all what you want to do is if you take over the house again and you take over the senate again is to pass the legislation that we as uh, uh, conservatives want to see passed. That's what you need to do. It's kind of like what my father used to tell me about when we when I played sports, whether it be baseball, football, or basketball. He said, you score, you don't turn around and make faces at the opposition. You don't turn around and say anything to them. Act like you've been there before. And if you're a pitcher, just walk off the mound and walk back to the dugout. If you scored a touchdown, get up, drop the ball, and go back to the bench. Same thing in basketball. I'm just telling you, you got to have some class if you're the one that is in charge. If you don't, then nothing really will ever get done. Uh, Sources told uh, Fox News that... uh, the president was furious and beyond angry over his defense team showing uh, yesterday. The sources who spent time with Trump said he was particularly incensed with the effort thus far by Castor. Trump believes Castor gave a rambling opening argument. They said Castor's 45-minute opening remarks 
were widely panned on social media after he praised the House impeachment managers for a job well done. So uh, that's where we're standing right now. Uh, let's move on and and go to an, another subject because I just, personally, I think this is just a, a monumental, a monumental waste of time. Really, just a absolutely waste of time. Dustin Turner wants you to know that you can bypass the open house. You can bypass, you know, showing your home. All you got to do is call him. Give him a call, and he can give you a competitive cash offer and save you all the trouble of selling your home. I want to talk to him and ask him if it will make uh, selling my home easier if I sell it with all the furniture that I have and stuff because I'm not going to need it. If I don't need it, why, you know, would I keep it? Why would I store it? Why not just turn around and, you know, give it to family members? Or or better yet, if somebody wants to buy the house and they go, you know, I like the furniture in here, you know, because it's new. Uh, what I'll do is I'll just buy it all, lock, stock, and barrel. You, I'm sure you'd like my bed, to be honest. The California King. It's beautiful. And uh, if that's something you'd be interested in, might be willing to sell it to you. So, uh, you know, save yourself the trouble. Call Dustin Turner, who is, of course, with the home team brokered by AEXP Realty, can give you an instant cash offer without the large hidden fees. Call him at 509-952-2969. That's 501-952-2969. Or you can go online to hometeamsoldit.com. That's hometeamsoldit.com. I saw a story uh, this morning early about uh, the unions, especially uh, the AFL-CIO and their president, Richard Trumka, who had a very low-key reaction to President Biden uh, derailing the Keystone XL pipeline project that is, cost, is going to cost union uh, uh, unions thousands Eleven to 16,000 jobs and how uh, unions are and the management of those unions are separate from the rank and file. And I got to tell you, it just hasn't even changed. It's not changed. Hey, my father, because in Indiana until just recently, it was uh, not a right to work state. Uh, you had to be part of the union. It was a closed shop. You had to be part of the union to be able to work out at steel mills. You had to pay your dues, and, uh, you know, you had to be part of Steel Workers of America. And, uh, you know, it wasn't cheap. I had to pay it even when I was just a, a worker during, uh, dur- during the summer when I was uh, going to college. Uh, and my dad, who had been a steward in all kinds of things at the union, uh, when I got older, talked about the uh, steel strike that they had back in the 50s. I don't know the exact date. I'd have to look it back up. It's been a long time, a lot of water under the bridge. But the uh, rank and file wanted uh, more health care rules uh, for the workers. 
And instead, the uh, leadership, they held out for a nickel an hour. They held out two more months for a nickel an hour. And as my father said, that did nothing for the average guy in, in the shop. A nickel an hour did nothing. It's the prices were going to go up by raising the salaries. And by the way, something a lot of people don't know, and this push for $15 an hour minimum wage, it's not just, quote, to help poor people. Uh, the salaries of union workers are tied to the minimum wage as well. A lot of people don't know that. Minimum wage goes up. Union wages automatically go up in many fields that uh, the unions uh, represent. And so they're more than happy to see people lower uh, get a bigger raise, and in this case almost double their pay, because at that point their pay is going to be increased significantly as well. That's just part of of the deal. Uh, This uh, was said by a union member about Trumpka, the fact that Trumpka was relatively indifferent to Biden's move to kill thousands of union jobs as troubling and revealing. It shows that uh, they don't actually represent us, but rather union leadership's quest for power. Well, not only, and what kind of power is it? Well, the power is is that uh, union leaders get all kinds of uh, very cool uh, extras. I mean, it was only, it's not been that long ago that a lot of stuff started coming out about, you know, uh, the union leaderships went up into Michigan and they had uh, places that they could stay, uh, resorts uh, with with fantastic golf courses and, uh, you know, five-star, you know, restaurants and things of that nature, all financed by their workers. Workers weren't happy with that. It's probably a reason why uh, when you're in right-to-work states, a lot of people don't flock to give their their money to the unions because they really haven't been doing that much for the average worker in a long, long time, probably not since the 40s, maybe even the late 30s. Something to look into. But they're, they're saying now that and there's a, an audit that's being called on of tr- about Trumpka and about uh, him taking money uh, from uh, the the DNC, the Democratic National Convention. Uh, Trumpka expressed displeasure with the pipeline project cancellation, but also praised Biden as possibly, quote, the best union president we ever had. Said that on uh, HBO on interview aired on Sunday. I wish he hadn't done that on the first day because the Labor's International is right. It did and will cost us jobs in the process. I wish he had paired that more carefully with the thing he did second by saying, here's where we're creating jobs. Labor groups have said Biden's day one decision to nix the Keystone Pipeline quickly eliminated 1,000 union jobs and could kill 10 times more in construction jobs 
that were expected to be created by the project. It suggests that he's going to get something in return for sitting silent on a matter that is negatively impacting workers. That's what uh, union people are saying now. Referencing union-backed policies like a $15 minimum uh, wage. And I told you why that is. They get a, they get a, a pro, you know, they get their wages increased uh, as well. And the PRO Act. Biden's pledge to create new high-paying union jobs through investments in green energy infrastructure projects. BS. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Those are some more of those uh you know, Barack Obama shovel-ready jobs that he said that, that he had for everybody if you passed the stimulus plan? I don't believe him any more than I believed uh, Obama. Quote, there's a gap between what they're promising and what's actually possible. You can talk about green jobs, but it's going to take years, if not decades, to actually generate those jobs. Uh, Daniel DeSalvo, professor of political science at City College in New York, said that he doubts the Keystone XL cancellation will be a turning point for union relations with Biden and the Democrats. Once economic growth post-pandemic kicks in, unions will forget about the loss, he said. Not if those people don't have jobs, they won't, because they're going to need to be reelected to their union places and those stewards have to run for re-election just like everybody else has to run for re-election. Just something to keep in mind. Something to keep in mind that if the union keeps backing a president that's going to kill American jobs, uh, it's not good. It isn't good. Hey, listen, uh, Congressman Hill will not be with us today. He is traveling right now. He's on an airplane, so can't call in. So we will talk to him on Friday. He's going to join us at 7.05 when Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett's on, and they'll join in on the conversation as well. So uh, be uh, listening Friday for what uh, Congressman Hill has to say. Congressman Westerman will come up here in just a few moments at 7.35. And then when we come back, uh, the World Health Organization covering for China once again. We'll talk about that when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget, freezing rain this afternoon, this evening, and tomorrow morning. They're saying about a third of an inch of freezing precipitation as far as ice goes and two to four inches of snow. So on top of that, so it's going to be a mess tomorrow and travel is going to be treacherous. Give yourself extra time tomorrow to get to your jobs. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
are back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And, uh, again, the big news this morning, to be honest, is the weather. That is the major news uh, that's going on here in uh, central Arkansas, definitely up in the north uh, east uh, part of the state where they are already uh, having uh, ice uh, icing problems in that area around Jonesboro up towards uh, Paragool and those areas. They, they've got quite a bit of ice going on. It's going to slow traffic down, make driving very treacherous. You've got to be careful. But that's going to spread into our area overnight. Uh, we are going to see about a third of an inch of ice overnight and the possibility of two to four inches of snow as well. Uh, we also are going to have this weather followed by, you know, maybe some sun, but just really frigid temperatures. They're saying that uh, Sunday morning we could see wind chills in the in the low teens, and on Monday morning uh, see uh, uh, wind chills in the single digits. So know that it's going to get awfully cold as well as icy and snowy as well. So for all of you snow bunnies out there who wanted snow, looks like you're going to get some. Uh, and then on top of it, you're going to get some ice. So uh, tomorrow you might want <laughs> tomorrow you might want to, you know, just make some, a big old batch of hot chocolate and uh, make a big old pot. And I think this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a big old pot of, uh, of um, uh, chicken and dumplings tonight. And that way tomorrow I just have some really warm soup to eat because uh, Heidi and I have already discussed uh, what we intend to do tomorrow morning because the last thing you want to do is to get up early in the morning and not have plan especially when uh, bad weather could be happening now if it doesn't yay um, you know I'll be in studio but if it does nay I will be at home and I'll be doing the, the show from the comforts of my dining room where I broadcast quite often during COVID nineteen, and uh, be doing the show with you that way. I'm going to. I got to get get a call into a couple of guests that are thinking about coming in and tell them do not come in if uh, ice is on the road and stuff. I don't want to be the person that puts you on the road because I know my guests. They will do everything they can to be here on time and be part of the show if i've asked them to do that so just keep that keep it in mind i'll be on uh, the radio in the morning but i'll be from my house and probably on friday uh as well because every all my guests on friday are going to be by phone so i might as well just be on phone it's it's on phone but it's really on computer and it sounds really good you you probably can't tell when i'm at my house and when i'm here in the studio to be honest uh, that's that's the way we work on that so that's good uh, but if you're going to be traveling today towards the east here in Arkansas, know the roads are going to get treacherous. And later this afternoon here in central Arkansas, they will begin to get a light glaze of ice. Uh, there may be light glazings right now on overpasses. When you go over an overpass, you want to slow down. You don't want to put on your brake. Just telling you, don't. You have extra distance, you know, social distancing, a lot bigger than social distancing, all right? Got to be more than six feet between you and the car in front of you. Give them plenty of time so that you have time. If they have to stop, uh, you can stop, or worst-case scenario, 
the lane next to you happens to be open, you can move over into the other lane. Uh, just drive defensively. Watch what the other person is doing. You're just going to have to do that because there are people who do not understand that when weather is bad and roads get slick, you have to slow down. There will be people that are be out driving 80, 90 miles an hour out on uh, 67, 167 today. Don't do it. I'm just asking you not to do it. I don't care how good your tires are. When you get ice on the road, I don't care how much rubber you got below you. Uh, you're probably not making contact with the concrete or the asphalt. You're riding on top of the ice. And if you put on your, your brake and you lose control, you're taking the ride. You're, you just don't have any control. Remember, if you do start to, to skid, turn into the skid. Don't turn away from the skid. Turn into the skin, get control of your car, and then continue on. But the biggest, I mean, just the biggest fact that I can give you this morning is to stay at a constant speed. Not a real fast speed, just constant speed. Keep your distances around you from the cars around you, and do not. Put on your brakes unless you absolutely have to. Now, that's on, you know, 67, 167, 440, and, and those areas. Of course, if you're on the side streets, you're going to be putting on your brakes. Uh, hopefully, this stuff won't build up uh, until after everybody gets home this evening, uh, because as long as we've got some traffic on the roads, it uh, it helped uh, the ice from building up. Uh Believe it or not, as you drive, your your tires get hotter, and they will keep the road warmer. Might uh, might be able to keep the uh, uh, the ice from forming in some areas, but over bridges, different stories because it's just colder with that air going under the bridge and over the bridge. Well, the uh, World Health Organization says to the world, Wuhan and COVID, just one giant series of coincidences. I don't buy it. I'll never buy it. I think uh, Senator Cotton was right. He came out of one of those wet labs and uh, and got out. Why they were working on it the way they are, were the Chinese working on weaponizing, uh, you know, the flu, I don't know. But they were up to something. And, of course, WHO has always been uh, pro-Chinese, and now that you got Biden in and the presidency, uh, they can get away with this because they're not going to be, be called out about it at all. Joe Biden's not going to say boo about this. I mean, this is just our competitor doing things. All right, let's take a break, um, move into other things to talk about here in just a moment. I've got uh, some other news stories we'll get caught up on uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But just remember... Two to four inches of snow overnight, third of an inch of ice. The ice is the treacherous part. And then very, very frigid temperatures following these fronts uh, that are coming through our area. On Sunday morning, wind chills in the low teens. On Monday morning, we're going to have wind chills in the single digits. I'm glad I got Monday off. Aren't you glad? I, we can stay home. That's all right. We can stay warm. 
That's the way it works. All right, don't forget about David Lucas Financial, what he's doing about the Ultimate Retirement Planning Checklist. Uh, you need to get a copy of this. I, I typically say if you're 50 or older, you should have this for sure. Really, if you're in your 40s, you should have it because they're saying now that if you want to live a, a, a retirement life that's going to be close to being what you had during the time you were working, you need about $2 million. See, here's what they understand about about retirement, and that is if you got 401k and you let's I'm going to just say let's say you got a hundred thousand dollars in there right now, hundred thousand bucks, and you say I got a hundred thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. Well, it is, except that it's a co account. All right, you own that money, but the government owns part of that money, and right now it's about twenty five percent. I know because. I just closed out my 401k, moved my money in a different place, had to pay the federal and the state tax, and it was 25% together. That means that uh, if you had $100,000, grand of that is disappearing because of taxes. You will not see it. The government's going to see it, and they can't wait to get their grubby little paws on it. But uh, that's the way it works. And But there's a whole lot of other questions you got to answer, too about your social security, about health care. You know, do you have, uh, you know, all you, have you considered all the options for long-term care? What if you retire and you come down with uh, Parkinson's disease and you need long-term care, God forbid, Alzheimer's, and you need long-term care? Are you prepared if that happens? If you're not, that could definitely take your retirement right off the rails. Get a hold of davidlucasfinancial.com. Talk to them about a copy of this and follow up on their recommendations. Or uh, if you uh, get one of the first 10 people here this morning, they call 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. They'll send this to you absolutely free. That's uh, David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. Now, you'll remember last year that our senator, our junior senator, Tom Cotton, came out and uh, pointed the finger at China about the uh, uh, virus, the COVID-19 virus. Big story in National Review. Let me uh, just go over the beginning of the story, and you don't have to go very deep into this story and, and listen to the World Health Organization to know that they're in the tank for China. The World Health Organization will no longer be seriously considering the possibility of a laboratory accident playing a role in the outbreak of SARS-CoV-2. They won't even consider it. They don't know how this happened, but they're not going to consider that. That's the first thing that you should know. They said that their initial findings suggest that the introduction through an intermediary host species is the most likely pathway and one that will require more studies and more specific targeted research, according to WHO food safety and animal disease expert Peter Ben Embarek uh, at a news conference yesterday. Mr. Embarek. Uh, these animal species come up later on in the uh, report. And you're saying 
the Likey pathway was that, where did it come from in the first place? That's the question. You're begging the main question here. Because if it didn't come from a laboratory or whatever, what you're telling us is that COVID-19 naturally developed and infected some species out there. Uh, that that's that's what what you're saying he says this virus could well have jumped to humans from an intermediary host species but we haven't listen to what he says now we haven't found this precise virus in any pangolins yet or for that matter in any bats now those are the two species that it would have jumped to nor have we found evidence that pangolins or bats were for sale at the Hunan seafood market to the extent to the extent we can trust the assessment of Chinese health authorities all right we can stop there and we can we can sit and talk about this a little bit the chinese are giving uh, them th- this information and so i like how he put this he this is a C. This is a CYA statement. This is what this is. Hopefully, you know you maybe you were in the military. You know what I'm talking about when I say CYA. To the extent we can trust the assessment of Chinese health authorities, well, what if you can't trust them? They've proven that they can't be trusted. We've watched has as this developed late last year. Uh, in fact, late the year before last, uh, into 2020, and then now we're into 2021, that you can't believe the, the Chinese or what they say as, as far as they can say it. He says, Gao Fu, director of the Chinese Center for Disease Control and Prevention, said in May that, quote, testing of samples from a Wuhan food market initially suspected as a path for the virus has spread to humans failed to show links between animals being sold there and the pathogen i need to get i need to get senator cotton on he's on he's on top of this i'm sure he would have a field day talking about what the who is saying here and the chinese authorities uh the world health organization's current hype Hypothesis appears to be that the SARS-CoV-2 virus jumped from a bat to some pangolin, cultivated in the pangolin, jumped to humans, and then, and then left no trace. Left no trace in any other animal at all. All of this occurred, coincidentally, a very short distance away from not one but two laboratories researching coronaviruses in bats with absolutely no connection to either of those labs whatsoever. On top of what we just listened to these people say, there is a Chinese scientist that escaped from the Wuhan province that is under protective custody here in the United States. Don't know where she's at anymore. She spoke out on this and then she disappeared. Now, I don't know if she's alive or if she's dead, all right, to be honest with you. I know that she's in protective custody and was 
not being talked about because they wanted to protect her. The virus that is most similar to SARS-CoV-2 that has been found naturally occurring in an animal <coughs> is the horseshoe bats in Yunnan, China, which is 967 miles from the city of Wuhan. The horseshoe bat does not migrate to Wuhan. Back in 2012, a severe pneumonia-like illness killed three miners who were working in a mine shaft in uh, that province we just talked about. It was found that uh, a form of COVID was collected from the Tungian mine shaft in Yunnan, China in 2013. Surprisingly, the same mine shaft was also associated with a severe pneumonia-like illness in miners in 2012 uh, that uh, killed six miners. A master's thesis in the Chinese language was found on the cnki.net website, which described in detail the severe illness in miners. The thesis concluded that a SARS-like COVID originating from Chinese horseshoe bats was the predicted causative agent. The cases were remotely monitored by a prominent pulmonologist in China. Retrospective analysis of the pneumonia cases show striking similarities with COVID-19. Bilateral pneumonia, vascular complications like pulmonary thrombolisms and secondary infections are the main similarities. A particularly eye-opening detail in that research paper about the miners is that blood samples from those infected miners were sent, were sent to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, one of the two uh, institutes that were close to that market. Dr. Nasan's diagnosis for patients three and four uh, was of a primarily viral origin pneumonia virus with a possibility of secondary infection. He requested swab testing and SARS antibody testing. <coughs> he also asked the hospital staff to confirm with the Kunming Institute of Zoology for the type of bat. The radiological findings were diffuse ground glass opacities and areas of peripheral consolidation. The thesis concluded that the pneumonia cases were due to viral pneumonia, primarily from SARS-like coronaviruses origin, uh, originating from those bats. Now remember, the blood from the infected individuals were sent to Wuhan. The bats that you're talking about do not migrate to Wuhan and are nearly a 1,000 miles away. So... The Chinese are playing very loose and fast, as they always do, with the facts. Uh, the comment from China's Batwoman virologist, Shi Zingli. She is a virologist who often called China's Batwoman by her colleagues because of her virus hunting expeditions in bat caves over the past 16 years, walked out of the conference she was attending in Shanghai and hopped on the next train back to Wuhan. 
quote, I wondered if the municipal health authority got it wrong, she said. I had never expected this kind of thing to happen in Wuhan in central China. Her studies had shown that the southern subtropical uh, tropical provinces of Guangdong and uh, Hunan have the greatest risk of coronaviruses jumping into humans from animals, particularly bats, a known reservoir, if coronaviruses were the culprit. All right, don't forget about Hillcrest Jewelry. Here it is Wednesday. Valentine's Day is Sunday. Bad weather going to affect us tomorrow. So I'm thinking that's going to perhaps take one day of your shopping off the your list. So uh, get over there today and, and deal with uh, getting things taken care of for Valentine's Day. At uh, 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard right here in Little Rock, he's got uh, pieces of jewelry that will fit Whatever you got for your wallet, that's the key to remember. Uh, it, you, it still will be very, very nice, and your significant other will be very, very pleasantly surprised. Phone number to call, and you can talk to Eric Coleman right uh, over the phone, 501-246-3655. That's the other number to call, 501-246-3655. So... Uh, keep that in mind. Get a hold of uh, Eric over at Hillkiss uh, des- uh, uh, Designer Jewelry and let him make your Valentine's Day a happy day. That's what you want to do. You want to make that a happy day for yourself. All right. The, let me go back, and uh, we're waiting for uh, Congressman Westerman to give us a call. He's supposed to be uh, checking in with us. But this whole thing dealing with uh, this Wuhan virus it is something to be thought of because you you got you got to listen to the way things are are going let me finish this up because we ran out of time uh as we were getting into rush so i want you to again pay particular attention that uh this lady they call her the bat lady who is uh going has gone around and picked up a lot of the different uh, bats from all these caves and stuff around China. Uh, she, her last, uh, her name is Shi Zingli, uh, said that uh, she was stunned about what happened in Wuhan. And she says, I wondered if the Municipal Health Authority got it wrong. I never expected this kind of thing to happen in Wuhan in central China. Uh if coronaviruses were the culprit, she remembers thinking, could they have come from our lab? Let me read that last statement to you. If coronaviruses were the culprit in Wuhan, she remembers thinking, could they have come from our lab? All right, joining us, Congressman Bruce Westerman. That's kind of a telling statement. You know, WHO came out yesterday and said, well, you know, if we take in what the Chinese, uh, Chinese government has told us, uh, it, there's just a massive amount of coincidences here about the uh, COVID-19 uh, virus. And uh, then you got this uh, scientist who's called the Bat Lady who uh, said that if it was COVID-19 related, uh, it, it was like did it come from our lab there in Wuhan? Because evidently it's been now found out that 
there were miners about a thousand miles away from Wuhan that were uh, evidently uh, bitten by some of these bats and were infected uh, with uh, the COVID-19. And they brought their blood to the, one of those Wuhan uh, laboratories uh, that, uh, you know, Senator Cotton has been pointing the finger at. A lot of questions still not being answered. Would you agree from the Chinese about where this all started and how it how it got uh, got out into the general populace? Yeah, well, good morning, Dave. And I would agree with that. And I don't know if we'll ever know the full uh, truth if we're relying on the uh, Chinese Communist Party to be transparent about what's happening. They, have, they don't have a very good track record so far of uh, being open and transparent with what's going on there. You know, through the whole pandemic, one of the uh, many calls and briefings that stood out to me was one with these uh, infectious disease scientists from, from around the globe, you know, lots of different accents on the phone. And they were talking about the, uh, I think they called it the, the reservoir of viruses yeah. that are out there, and that, that bats have literally thousands of these viruses that you know would make Ebola or, uh, or even you know, COVID look minuscule, something that's uh, they they have viruses that are very deadly and and much more contagious um, that are you know sitting out there in some some bat somewhere in the in the world. So that's and there's other animals that they think these viruses migrate from uh, to humans. Uh, but the general belief is that um, you know it did come from a bat. Now how that happened, you know they blame the meat market uh, there in Wuhan. Uh, I still believe there needs to be more investigation and transparency with what happened at the lab there. But, you know, with this report that that miners were bitten by the bat and, and blood was taken to the lab there, it really makes you wonder. Oh, yeah. It makes me wonder. Here's what I like. Listen to this sentence in the report, Bruce. You're going to love this one. This is great. It says, to the extent we can trust the assessment of Chinese health authorities. <laughs> <laughs> I think that extent is pretty minuscule. Yeah, I agree. I uh, I totally yeah. agree. As now, you might could trust the Chinese health authorities, but what they're saying may not be what the, uh, the, the Chinese Communist Party is going to put out as their official statement. You got that right, exactly. The CCP is up to this. Uh, over their head, and uh, I don't think you can believe anything that those people are telling us. I mean, if you look at what the World Health Organization said, it was coincidence after coincidence after coincidence. And when when you hear that, it, it basically is lie after lie after lie. So uh, I'm I'm with what the senator has said, and what you're saying right now is that we don't probably we will never know what's going on. Probably will never know. Yeah, you know, Reagan's adage of trust but verify is yes. to be in, employed here, but I don't know how you verify. Uh, I don't I don't think the Chinese government's going to let American scientists come in and do a thorough investigation. I don't think they would be upfront with the, the records. I mean, they obviously lied uh, at the beginning of the virus, and uh, they took actions to try to save face uh, versus trying to uh, – stop the virus and and help the rest of the world but 
uh, I don't I don't believe there's any reason for them to do uh, anything different right now. Well, yesterday I was watching the uh, governor's press conference on what's happening with the COVID-19 virus, and uh, the head of the health department got up there and started talking about how we're under the the uh, the bit that that major line that they have uh, about infections and things of that nature. It looks like we've turned into a a much better uh, you know way of. Uh, how many people are infected, et cetera. Uh, I heard a national number that said 96,000 people infected. And when you take 96,000 into 350 million people, uh, you seem to be doing pretty well. Are we getting close to that point where uh, you think that the president should start opening up this uh, economy uh, and getting it really going again? Yeah, and I think it comes down to governors and uh, and mainly blue states that should be opening up the economy and getting it going again. But, you know, it's probably nothing a $2 trillion relief package wouldn't, wouldn't solve. <laughs> I got to laugh because isn't that, isn't that the truth? The Democrats' answer is to throw more money on it. And, and did you see what Yellen said yesterday? She said, well, yeah, the economy will really come roaring back. Well, it, but it's a fake coming back. I mean, sure, if you give businesses you know, millions upon millions of dollars and uh, people millions of dollars are going to spend it and it's going to help the economy some, but it's not going to be a stable nor long-lasting uh, rebound. Would you agree with that? Yeah, wholeheartedly. What we need are jobs and steady growth. And if you've got the economy shut down, you're not going to have jobs. So we need to be you know, getting the vaccine out, getting as many people vaccinated as possible, uh, get schools open, uh, get America back to work is what we need to do. And and I think the economy will grow that way. Um, but, you know, spending trillions of our, our grandkids' dollars to, um, I, which I think is going to actually be detrimental to the economy, I think it's going to increase uh, inflation. And uh, plus adding so much more to the debt, I think it's a, it's a bad move to take to put that much money in. When we've got a trillion dollars that hasn't been spent yet. So we're talking about $2 trillion plus a trillion that's there that hasn't been spent yet. And, um, you know, it's if you look at the, the line items in this budget bill that they're putting out, and we're just now starting to see what that is, there's a – a markup on the transportation committee today and uh they've got a, a grant program for transportation in there uh, it's 26 billion dollars to urban areas and 280 million dollars to rural areas it's pretty amazing let that sink in yeah yeah rural I mean, areas that's got a political payoff yeah that's taking it down the chin isn't it yeah uh, so I've, I've got an amendment to split that evenly. Um, of course, they shouldn't be spending that much money anyhow. But it's uh, you know it's big unions in urban areas, uh, blue states and blue cities that they're trying to pour this money into, and and they're doing it in the you know holding up the banner of COVID relief and helping the American people. So, Congressman, when you look at what 
uh, the Democrats are doing with this 1.9 million. It it looks like they're going to try to do the end around run, where uh, a a lot of this money can be pushed through without one Republican vote in consolidation. Do you th- do you think that that's going to is going to happen? Is it underway now? Are they working on it as we speak? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they've passed the the resolution out of the house they passed the resolution out of the senate now the the committees are marking the bill up and uh they'll pass the budget reconciliation on a uh, simple majority out of the house in the senate and you know the i think we talked about this before but that resolution gives instructions to the the 12 authorized committees on marking the language up with a uh a floor for revenue and a ceiling for expenditures. And what this one did is just put a ceiling out there for expenditures. And, uh, you know, on the natural resources committee where I'm the ranking member, we haven't even organized the committee yet, which means we haven't met as a full committee and passed the rules of the committee. So, uh, the, the left is just saying, well, we'll just, we won't mark up our section, which means, um, the stuff related to natural resources will just go to the to the rules committee where they'll mark up the bill and put it on the floor with our committee's language in it without our committee ever having even a hearing on it. And there's uh, several other committees that are in the same boat that, uh, and you know, the Democrats won't go to D.C., the majority of them, uh, for hearings or, or markups. So this is a... You know, it's a Pelosi move where she gets to uh, to write the bill and put it on the floor and pass it with proxy votes and send it over to the Senate. Are there is there any ever, is there is there any hope? You ever that, doubted? That, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You ever doubted that elections have consequences? Just look into this in more detail. All right, we'll come there. back. Let's come back and talk more about it, Congressman Bruce Westerman. From District 4 is our special guest right now here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, he's going to tell us more about this whole markup and, w- and what's going down. Uh, he's he's keeping his uh, his eye and ear to the, uh, to the ground and keeping us up to date as well. And he's right. Elections do have consequences. All right, Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about uh, PI Roofing and what they'll do for your roof and keeping it uh, in good shape. Uh, you just give them a call at 707-3551. They'll show up out at your house. Uh, they'll get up on your roof because the only way you can check your roof is get up on your roof. And uh, a professional who can walk around at your roof and look and see cracks, feel mushiness and things of that nature, and know that uh, you got to have either have or don't need some work done on your roof. And uh, PI Roofing has those those professionals they also have the professionals they follow all of the covid19 rules so that your family doesn't have to worry about somebody in their business having covid19 and coming to your house Uh, the same thing uh, they don't have to worry about getting it from your household Uh, everybody is kept protected by following all the rules of covid19 what you need to do though is to give them a call 707-35 51. I don't know if you can get them out today or tomorrow with the bad weather, but uh, I'm sure uh, early next week they could be up on your house and taking a really good look at what's going on. And now with these frigid temperatures moving in and things being frozen, 
Uh, you get ice dams and all kinds of things on your roof. Have PI Roofing come out and take a look. 707-3551. 707-3551 or piroofing.com. All right, let's finish up our conversation with Congressman Bruce Westerman. Remember, Congressman, French Hill is in transit right now and was not able to call in. He'll be with us on Friday at 7.05 to talk about what's going on in in Washington, D.C. And there's a lot going on. I mean, quote, uh, impeachment uh, 2.0 is going on in uh, in the Senate, even though I believe the chances that the president's going to be found guilty and and uh you know be impeached is less than zero a lot less than zero but i want to go back and talk further about this 1.9 trillion dollars and you were talking about markups uh uh, congressman explain what you're saying so that an average voter can understand what you're saying okay so a markup is is a committee hearing where you actually take the the language of the bill and you debate it and you offer amendments and you vote on amendments. That's, that's the markup uh, is offering amendments and changing the legislation. Then you, you vote on all those amendments and then you have the the final bill that you vote for passage. And and then that bill goes, uh, it actually in Congress, it goes, can go to multiple committees, but um, this section of the bill would, would go, through the rules committee, which is kind of the speaker's last check on a bill before it gets to the floor. So the rules committee can amend and change a bill and put language in it as well. Plus they decide the the rule for the debate on the floor. And when I was talking about the resources committee, which I'm the, the ranking member on, is uh, they'll put the language in the bill for us, isn't that kind of them? And then they'll put a rule <laughs> attached to it that will limit amendments and debate. So you know, it's just uh, here. Here it is. Take it or leave it. Approach wow. without really ever discussing the issues. But at least you know it's actually uh, they're having some markups. A lot of times these bills don't even get a markup. They're just written by the speaker's office and put on the floor. Amazing, absolutely amazing. So, when are you expecting that this is going to end up on the floor of the house for a vote? I'm thinking in the next couple of weeks um, they'll they'll do these markups. Maybe even next week um, depends on how fast they want to push it through. But you know there is something called the the bird rule when you're dealing with budget reconciliation, and I think there some of the stuff they've got in there could get challenged in the Senate because it doesn't apply to the budget reconciliation rules and the the fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage. Um, could be one of those issues but they're still pushing forward with it as though they believe they can get that passed and get it in under the bird rule yeah i you know i talked a little bit about that and i said it uh a 15 dollar increase in the minimum wage is also increased for the labor unions a lot of people don't realize that legislation says that the minimum wage goes up so do union jobs uh, uh prices they pay their people goes up as well and then if there's a, some kind of a, of a building project in a state, you know, so, so many of the people have to be union workers, correct? Yeah. You, you got the uh, Davis-Bacon Act that requires union labor on, on federal projects. And you're exactly right. The, the minimum wage is, 
you could think of it as a floor and everything works off of that. And, you know, the, the voters of Arkansas voted to increase the minimum wage if it was a couple of years ago. And uh, I heard of this young man who was working at a fast food restaurant and he had been there a year and uh, it was time for his review. And he went in and they, you know, the minimum wage went up and they said, that's your raise. Uh-huh. And the person they hired the same day was making the same amount of money uh, that he was making. So, um, you know, these businesses have to have to be able to have a, a profit to stay open. And what they're going to end up doing is hurting entry-level jobs and, you know, pushing people uh, out of the workforce and increasing the cost of, of things uh, for everybody. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it really is. It's crazy. All right. So we talked about unions earlier today. We talked about a lot of things here on the Dave Ellswick earlier today, but not as good as talking to you and you giving us uh, exactly what's going on up there in Congress, uh, Congressman. I appreciate your time. And are you here in the area right now or are you in Washington? I'm in Arkansas getting ready to head out. Okay. uh, I've got to get on the road. You better make it quick because the ice is coming. All right. All right. I'll talk to you next week, Dave. All right. We will talk next week. Thank you very much for your time. Congressman Bruce Westerman, District 4, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Good to talk with him today. I hope that gave you an idea about how they're running these bills through, and your elected official really don't have anything that they can basically say about it. Elections have consequences. News is next. I'll see you tomorrow on the radio here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 6 a.m.